Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and open up to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and uh, real quick, is there anyone who needs a Bible? Our ushers can get you one of those. One right over here. I want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to sit today, and we're going to reference some other texts, but primarily we're going to look at Galatians 5. And uh, we have been, the last several weeks, we have been talking about the Holy Spirit, His person, His gifting, His, His work. And now specifically, we're going to actually wrap this series of talks up by talking about how do we walk in the Spirit. Because we've, we've gone over multiple aspects of this. Where, where we've identified the personal nature of the Spirit is indwelling in us. It's not some abstract thing that we're chasing around, but He's personal. And not only personal, but is in fact God Himself, the third person of the Godhead. And then we talked about the gifting of the Spirit, and what's the difference between the gifting of the Spirit and natural abilities or natural giftedness that anyone has. And we identified that the gifting of the Spirit is an expression of faith with an aim to increase the faith of others. And then last week we focused specifically on the filling of the Spirit. And we looked specifically at how Scripture distinguishes between the filling work of the Spirit and baptism or sealing of the Spirit and how the baptism of the Spirit, the sealing that takes place is one and done, but the filling work of the Spirit happens multiple times to empower us for the work of ministry. And so today specifically, the question becomes, okay, we we see the broad picture of this when it comes to the person of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit, but what does that have to do with me and what do I do to, to even check myself and see, am I walking in step with the Spirit? And so if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to jot this phrase down. I want you to take this down. It's our main idea for this time. And it is that walking in the Spirit is the active practice. Everyone say active of hearing, obeying, and yielding to the Spirit's transformative leading in my worship and my work. Now, it's kind of a mouthful to say, but in that one sentence, we have the summary of biblically what does it look like for me to walk in the Spirit. So this is one of those phrases that we should jot down on a 3 by 5 card or we should post somewhere so that we are just reminded what do I need to do? If I'm just wanting to summarize 
what I need to actively pursue and step into as a follower of Jesus. It's this. It's the active practice of hearing, obeying, and yielding to the Spirit's transformative leading in my worship and my work. And so, I want to start by reading here in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 16. We're going to pause a minute. And then I'm going to read a little later. I'm going to read 17 through 23 for us. But in Galatians 5.16, Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not, everyone say not, gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Of the flesh. Now, last week we paused for a minute. We talked a little bit about the interpretive structure in Ephesians 5. And one of the things we specifically talked about was the grammatical structure that led us to realize that the action of being filled, the command, the imperative of being filled was to be ongoing. It was to be continuous, not just a one and done deal. And this exhortation in 5.16, walk in the Spirit, is the same. It's a present active imperative, and it is plural, applying to all those who are followers of Jesus. In other words, this is saying, walk in the Spirit and keep walking in the Spirit. Be always walking in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, for a moment, I want to pause and talk briefly about a history of the flesh. Because when we see this in Galatians, we have to understand that conversation about what is the flesh doesn't start here in the book of Galatians. And in fact, to grasp this and to really understand where this has all started, we have to go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. And this is one of the reasons that it's so important that we study and we preach and we teach the whole counsel of God's Word, not just pieces of it. Or we're going to miss some really important theological truths. And so, when you go back to the beginning, I'm going to summarize, but I want to challenge you, if you don't understand this, read the book of Genesis. Even if you start and you read the first half of the book of Genesis to get an idea of this, it's going to broaden your understanding of where did this all begin? And what we see happening specifically in Genesis chapter 1 is that God created all flesh. Everyone say all. But more specifically, he created human flesh in his image. Genesis 1.27 says God created man in in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, understand that humankind here is the only entity that possesses the image of God. Does other creation reveal attributes of God? Yes. Everyone say yes. And in fact, Romans 1 speaks about this. In Romans chapter 1, Paul identifies that all creation 
testifies and reveals the invisible attributes of God, namely his power, so that no one is without excuse. That's what Romans 1 says. So, even though all creation reveals the majesty and the glory of God, there's only one created entity that was directly made in his image. It's humankind. Within the framework of Genesis, God longed for relationship with mankind. And because God longed for relationship, he ultimately gave mankind a choice. Now, one of the most common questions that I get asked is, if God knew that mankind was going to sin, why did he put a tree in the garden in the first place? And my answer to that question is this. Without the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, without the singular choice to disobey God, then you take away every opportunity to be in relationship with God at the same time. Because without the choice to disobey, without the choice to not be in relationship, you also eliminate the choice to love, the choice to care. The choice to show compassion. Because if that's the only option, then it's really not an option at all, is it? It's what you have to do. And so God, longing for this relationship, this intimate relationship with His creation, those specifically created in, the, in, in His image, gives them one command. And the temptation... To truly know and to be like God led mankind to disobey that one command. Eve is the first one to make that choice to disobey. Adam followed right after. And at this moment in history, mankind became aware of their flesh. They became aware of their physical flesh but they also became aware of their sinful flesh. Previously untainted by sin, they now, as its name assumed, obtained knowledge of not only good, but also evil, beginning a war that still exists to this day within us. A war between the flesh and the spirit. Now, you see, the fleshly desires that we possess are the continuation of an internal war that began in the garden. A war between the things of the spirit and the things of the flesh. And Romans chapter 7, verse 21 and 23 says, so I find it, this is Paul talking, and he identifies this struggle, okay? And he says, I find it law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So he speaks directly and he goes on to say, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I should do, I don't do. And there's this tension. And I think one of the most practical and visible examples of this in, in my wife and I's life right now is my children. And how honest they are about those struggles. There's so many different times where 
they know they're not supposed to get into something, whether it be uh, the, the ice cream tub in the freezer or something that's stat- stowed away in, in my wife and I's bedroom. And my, my six-year-old right now will come to us and she'll say, I, I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I couldn't help myself. And we often feel that way, don't we? we? We know, and there's this war, and this tug that goes on back and forth, and when my child comes to me and says that, I think, oh, I understand that. I just don't verbalize it like that in my own life, do I? And that's what Paul visualizes in Romans 7. And so I wanted to start with that because we have to understand a history of flesh and where this has all come from before we can unpack what it looks like for me to walk in the Spirit. Is we've got to understand that there is a war waging. Everyone say there's a war. And we've got a battle that we're in the middle of. And, and that's where we have to start so that we can equip ourselves for that well. So let's read, we're going to read from verse 17 through 23, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to unpack this further. And my prayer today is that you walk away from here equipped, and just understanding and even motivated to go, I get it, I get what I need to pursue as I desire to walk in the Spirit. Verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, everyone say but. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, as we consider this challenge today, may we understand the war that is waging within our members. God, may you equip us today to fight this battle together, not on our own. That we would see clearly that you've given us victory in Christ and the opportunity to be transformed every single day by the work of your Spirit in our life. May we hear, may we obey, may we yield to your work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the question remains... How do I do this? How do I walk according to the Spirit? And the first point I want to emphasize here is that walking by the Spirit starts with a desire to hear. Everyone say hear. Now, 
Some of us might go, I, I hear fine. Others of us might go, I struggle to hear. And I'm going to tell you that all of us, when it comes to hearing the Spirit and hear, truly hearing what God's Word says, we all struggle. Okay? We all struggle with this in some way or another. And if it's not in this season, it's in the next season. If it's not today, it's going to be next week. We are in this ebb and flow because our spirit is at war. Say, say war, okay? We're at war here with our flesh. And we've got to be honest where we're at if we're going to make progress. Walking by the Spirit starts with a desire to hear. And one of the places I go automatically anytime I'm challenged with this idea, am I really heeding, am I really listening, am I really trying to hear, is in James chapter 1. And James chapter 1 says, be quick. Know this, my love brothers. Let everyone be quick to what? Hear. Everyone say hear. Slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not, everyone say not, it does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, there's quite a few people who can quote this verse, and I've found it's a lot easier to quote it than it is to actually live it out. Isn't that a bummer? If it was as easy to live out as it was to quote this verse, we would all be much better off. But it's, it is maybe even easy to quote this towards someone else, right? You need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And yet, this is an exhortation to the church. Which means it's an exhortation to me. If I'm in Christ, it's an exhortation to me. I need to be first off. I need to be quick to hear. I need to be quick to listen. And that's not just talking here. And I would say it's actually not even talking about relationally, but it's more specifically talking about spiritually. We should be quick to hear. Now, it's, it applies relationally. In your marriage, you should be quick to listen. Okay? In your relationships with each other as followers of Christ, you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But more specifically, in the context, it goes on to talk specifically about the importance of you allowing the Word of God with meekness, that's humility, to be implanted into your life. And if I'm going to strive to walk in the Spirit, man, I've got I've to be willing to hear what the Spirit is speaking to me. And if I'm not willing to do that, I can't go any further. Because I'm always listening to someone's voice. Whether it's mine, or another person's, or the Spirit of God. I'm always listening to someone else's voice. Now, it's kind of interesting, but and, and you'll find conflicting results about this within our attention spans. But largely, many people believe our attention spans have decreased over time. And it wasn't even impressive to begin with, okay? In the year 2000, they said the attention span of a, of a human was only 12 seconds, all right? And then there were some other studies that came out that said your attention span is now 8 seconds. Now, again, I say there's conflicting data on this. But some people are going, when they see that eight second, they say, you do realize the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds, right? Now, this fluctuates because we can also often give our attention to what we want to, right? 
I can sit down and watch a movie for two hours, but if someone tells me I should sit down and read my Bible for two hours, why is that so much harder? Because my attention span is selective, right? And it often pertains exactly the same way to how I respond or how I hear or how I listen to the Spirit's work in my life. And man, when I'm in a hard season, I'm like, I've got, I've got radars out. All right, God, where are you? I'm listening. But when life is good, man, I'm just kind of cruising. and Doing my own thing. Walking by the Spirit starts with the desire to hear. It's impossible for us to walk by the Spirit if two specific things aren't in place in that way. A desire to hear the commands of Scripture and a desire to hear the convictions and the promptings of the Spirit. It starts with us choosing to hear. Now, secondly, how do I walk according to the Spirit? Everyone say, how do I do it? Secondly, walking by the Spirit continues, so it starts with a readiness to hear, it continues with a readiness to obey. Everyone say obey. And this concept actually continues. James chapter 1 is a great supplement to Galatians 5. In James chapter 1, now in verse 22 through 25, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only. So we didn't stop at hearing, okay? Now be doers of the word, for if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, For he looks at himself, he goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, be no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be, what? Blessed in his doing. This goes further, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Blessed are those who Hear the word of God and keep it. This is the words of Jesus himself. Who hear the word of God and keep it. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. How often do we see the commands of God as a burden more so than a joy? How often do we fall into the trap of only hearing the words or reading the words only to fail in actually living in obedience to them? How often do we verbally affirm a desire to be shaped by and led by the Spirit but have an unwillingness to actually obey? Now, as I was thinking of a way to illustrate this concept, I I immediately was taken back to my time uh, when I was taking driver's ed, okay? And largely, driver's ed wasn't too hard for me because I'd grown up driving on a farm from the age of eight, okay? But there were little things, right? There's little things that you just don't think about. And one of those for me that I always forgot was to shoulder check, okay? And so we're in the Cuba High School parking lot. It's where I took driver's ed. And we're practicing our parallel parking. 
and then pulling out of a parallel park. And the parallel parking part, I just had that down because I'd backed so many things in my life. But there were, no joke, like five different times that I went to pull out from my parallel parking job. So proud of myself for parallel parking. And I forgot to shoulder check. And every time, my instructor would slam on the chicken brake next to him. So I'd pull out and then wham, hit me. And it got to the point where we're almost laughing because I'm like, why do I keep forgetting to do this? And I was hearing what I needed to do, but I was failing to apply it. I was failing to really stop and actually follow through with the instruction. And I think so often that's exactly what we do in our lives over and over and over again as we hear these things. And we start to pull out into life and God's like, stop! And then it happens over and over and over again. And so we have to stop and consider, I can't just hear this. But I've really... I've really got to root into and obey this, to live it out. Otherwise, the instruction does me no good. And I'm going to tell you right now, I shoulder check every time. I probably do it too much now because it is ingrained in my mind. This is what I have to do. Walking in the Spirit continues with obedience. Number three. Walking by the Spirit is evidenced by discernment between your feelings and His promptings with a desire to yield. Once again, identifying in verse 17 of Galatians 5, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The emphasis here draws out the contrast between the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh. And so, if I'm seeking to walk in the Spirit, I should see an ever-increasing concept of what is different between that which I'm seeing in my flesh and that which God has called me to in my spirit. Because the two are not going to be in agreement with each other. And so if I'm walking in the spirit, I'm going to start to see this separation here where I can easily identify and go, that is definitely of my flesh. And I would be happy, if any of you are curious about that in my own life, I'm happy to share those things with you. I have many where I just recognize, I was sitting at lunch today with my mom and was sharing with her some of these just frustrating struggles of my flesh that I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't struggle with this. But it's a war. And if we're walking in the Spirit, we're going to discern that. We're going to see this distinction. Ephesians 4, verses 21 through 24, emphasize this even further, where it says, Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed, everyone say renewed, in the spirit of your minds, 
and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a difference here. There's a a distinction here. Romans 12 talks about the same thing where Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everyone say transformed. By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we are walking in the Spirit, we're going to see that evidenced by a discernment between our feelings and His promptings, and then our desire in that because of the Spirit is going to be a desire to yield to the work of the Spirit. Now, I want to clarify something and tell you right now, you won't do this perfectly. You won't get this right every time. But as I often communicate to people who come in and sit with me and they go, I am struggling with this part of my life. And I go, it is good you are struggling. Because when we're struggling, it's evidence that the Spirit is at work in us. And we start to see the pieces of our life that hurt us and go, I don't like this about myself. But the question is, are you going to remain there? Because we already identified that walking in the Spirit is not just hearing and the process that comes. I, I see this distinction, but it's obeying and seeking to live out as Jesus would in response to that. Number four. Walking by the Spirit is characterized by an attitude of repentance. Walking by the Spirit is characterized by an attitude of repentance. In John 16, verses 8 through 11, Jesus, talking about the Holy Spirit, says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. You get that? He's going to convict the world. Everyone say convict. We don't like that word. Because they do not believe in me concerning sin. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. One of the most practical evidences of the Spirit's work in my life is conviction of my sin. And when I'm convicted of something... The more I push that away, the more I am going to quench and silence the work of the Spirit in my life. And so if you're in a season of your life where you just feel like, I don't sense the Spirit of God working in me, or filling me, or gifting me, I don't sense that, then you need to trace back in your life and try and figure out, is there a season that I've gone through where the Spirit's convicted me of sin, of my flesh, and I've ignored that? For a lot of people, that is the stumbling block. Because the more we push that away, the quieter the Spirit's going to get. Until we're so broken that we have nowhere else to turn. And we fall on our knees in repentance and God renews and strengthens. Because He didn't come to save those who had it all together. He came to save the weak while we were still in our sin, as we read in Romans 5. 
Walking by the Spirit is characterized by an attitude of repentance. Now, as we close in thinking about this, I want to move into two specific points of application for you today. The first one of those is that walking in the Spirit does not mean you won't face hardship. Allow the Spirit to lead you. Whether you realize it or not, when we are, have our faith placed in Christ, it is not a nullifying of all challenges, trials, and hardships. And often they're amplified and increased because now we started a war in ourselves. A war between our flesh and our spirit. And so we have to recognize that as we seek to walk in the Spirit, there's going to be days where it's just plumb hard and discouraging and frustrating. And those are the moments where we have to decide, are we going to lean fully upon ourselves for the strength in this, or am I going to lean fully upon the Spirit of God to lead me through those difficulties? They're going to be there. You have to decide who you're going to allow follow an example of this jesus himself i don't know if you realize this in luke chapter 4 jesus is take it's it's the passage known as jesus temptation in the desert but we, we what we often skip over in that is that it says jesus full of the holy spirit was led by the spirit into the desert and we think what the spirit led him into the desert And then it was the Spirit of God in Jesus that equipped him to respond to the temptations that came. And then when he came out of the desert, guess what? It didn't say he came out. And man, when he was exhausted, it said he came out and he was full of the Spirit. And he went on and kept doing ministry. I don't know about you, but that's how I want to walk through the desert seasons of my life. I want to walk into them being led by the Spirit into those seasons. And I want to walk out fuller than when I came in. And usually that's not what happens because we're in the desert and man, we are tired and hungry and thirsty and we plead for God to just deliver us from the desert when it may be the Spirit of God that led us into the desert in the first place. Allow the Spirit to lead you. The second and final application point, I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come up. The second and final Application point is this. Walking in the Spirit does not mean you won't continue to struggle in the flesh. Embrace the Gospel. Church, the Gospel is at the heart, is at the foundation of everything else that we do. Apart from the Gospel, we have no hope, we have no motivation to serve, we have no purpose Paul identified this when he said, if Jesus isn't risen from the dead, then we are of all people most to be pitied. Because our hope is empty apart from that. The gospel, the good news, is what we have to embrace and root ourselves into. Whether that's in the seasons of joy or the seasons of hardship and struggle, whether we're in lockdown and quarantine or everything's normal, our task to embrace the gospel, the good news, remains the same. 
And let me tell you, you're going to need more than your fleshly self to embrace that fully. You need the Spirit of God leading and equipping you for that. So today, as we close, I want you to consider the areas of your life where it's just been hard to walk in step with the Spirit. And to allow yourself to be led by the Spirit, but also embrace the good news That God didn't come to save us because we had this all figured out. He came to save us because we needed saved. And we still need saved. Every single day we need to be reminded that we're in need of God's grace, in need of His mercy, in need of redemption. And we have that security in Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word, for the hope that we have in Jesus. May you equip us for what we're going to face, recognizing that the war continues in my flesh and my spirit. And may you receive the glory in all of this, we pray in Jesus' name.